Good morning. In the year 2016, 42,000 young people lost their lives to the opioid epidemic. In 2017, 64,000 young people lost their lives because of the opioid epidemic. 35,000 committed suicide. People don't talk about that. 100,000 young people. That impacts, you know, this whole country. One out of every five Americans is on some kind of drug, from alcohol, marijuana, opioid, all the opioids. I mean, it's just crazy what's going on. And now they're legalizing and thinking they're going to uh, solve the problem. And in many cases, it may solve some problems, but it will create other problems. And uh, so I want to talk about some different things here today. My heart is so full. I travel a lot. I just got back from uh, Naples, uh, Florida, uh, speaking at the First Baptist Church down there to a group of 300-plus men. Um, it's, 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 my heart breaks to talk to people. Uh, this week, Monday and Tuesday, I'll be going to a funeral of a friend of mine, but it's a joyful funeral, actually, because he got saved about 34 years ago at Transformation Life Center. And the opioid epidemic, and you'll see what it looks like. It looks like a wife and some other friends looking at a guy who's going into eternity prepared because he trusted Christ at Transformation Life Center all those years ago and didn't overdose and die. Heroin addicts. Uh, he, my friend Billy Schneider texted me this morning, and uh, he, he'd been on heroin for 19 years, spent 10 years at Rikers Island, and drove all the way from Grand Rapids to be at the funeral here on Monday and Tuesday, again, because of, you know, complications years after you do something it, it affects you it affects you so today uh, I, I want to share with you uh, what's happening in northern Jersey is, is 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 devastating what's happening in northern Jersey most of our guys are coming from northern Jersey into our drug rehab this church has been affected the pastor shared with me at least three young people were affected by the opioid epidemic right here the President of the United States and, uh, you know, Congress and, and all, everyone is trying to make this the number one issue of concern. And we don't even understand the problem. This is the amazing thing to me. They have no idea what the problem is. They think it's a sickness. They think it's a disease. Oh, yeah, it, it'll become that. That's not the problem. That's not the problem. So when you go into Deuteronomy 18 and verse 9, when you go into Genesis, when you go throughout the scriptures, you go into the New Testament and you look up the word sorcery, witchcraft, associated with interpreting spells, being with mediums, all having to do with demonic influences, the word used is pharmakia, pharmaceutical. We don't have a clue that it's not physical. The problem is not physical, but it has incredible physical, psychosomatic consequences. Although we're walking in the flesh, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, we are not fighting a physical battle. The weapons of our warfare are not physical, but spiritual to the pulling down. Translate this word strongholds or hirimata in the Greek language and Paul is using a, a metaphor from the city of Corinth and I've been there many times I've preached in Corinth in Greek in Corinth I, I was born in the city of Thessaloniki you're going to see this in a minute and uh, and uh, Greek is my first language so I'm speaking in English this is a foreign language to me but I'm speaking in it and Paul was using many metaphors from the first century. He went to the Olympics. He went to the Isthmian Games that were held every three years in Corinth. The Olympic Games are held every four years. And, and there he was in the city of Corinth, the largest city. It was about 200,000 people at the time. And they had, in fact, two synagogues in Corinth, which is interesting. And uh, you get confused sometimes when you read the book of Acts and, and it says, you know, so-and-so, Crispus is the, is the leader of the synagogue. You say, wait a minute, wasn't it uh, another guy? In verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
tells us somebody else is the, because there were two synagogues, that's all. You know, there's no contradictions. But he uses this up on the Acrocorinth, the mountain is, is a fortress. It was, the, it was where the wealthy people built also shelters up there where all of the religious worship was going on. And the, 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 the goddess Aphrodite had over a thousand temple prostitutes up there. and They had over 3,000 slaves. They were so wealthy because it was, it was a, 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 a travel town. And so they, they were able to have all this. And he uses that fortress as the image to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, he says, we have to destroy these fortresses. These fortresses came, the physical came, there's people up there. Hey, how you guys doing up there? Yo, how you doing? You talking to me? So the physical in our life comes as a result of what? Our thoughts. And the, uh, the spiritual, that affects the emotional, that affects the physical. And so Paul is saying, destroy these, these fortresses and bring every thought, every speculation, every logismos. He uses the most important word in the whole Bible, actually, which most people don't really focus and emphasize. And I'm going to take you to that this morning for a few minutes and see if we can, you know, give you a little background of myself. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me about something to read for you in this church as I was sitting there crying while the worship band was playing good drums over there. I enjoyed that. And uh, everyone did such a wonderful job. And I want to thank uh, your pastor, Aaron, for allowing me to be in the pulpit today and inviting me to come and to present Transformation Life Center as one of the ministries you should be praying for, uh, you should uh, get involved in and do service there, you should write out a million dollar check, whatever you have in your pocketbook. I'm not joking. <laughs> uh, we, we need to help people. We need to help people and there's so many that are dying. You know, I was talking uh, two years ago to a, to a man who, I don't know, he had over $150 million but his son overdosed on heroin. 24-year-old son, and I asked him this question, looking across the table, I said, how, how much money would you exchange for to get your son back? He said, how dare you talk like that? Well, it's a fact, because he had other, other people in the table that were on drugs. And he said, and he broke down in tears, and he said, Tom, I'd give everything I have to get my son back. Now, I want to read you Luke chapter 18. Would you turn to Luke chapter 18? I just want to show you the importance of being the right kind of a worshiper. This morning, uh, Aaron also mentioned it in his prayer. Pastor mentioned it, that we want to lift up, and we want to see him high and lifted up. Don't we want to see the Lord high and lifted up? Amen? We want to see our Lord high and lifted up. He's given us the privilege to enter into his family. It's It's awesome. Listen to what he says in Luke 18, beginning with verse 9. This follows his prayer, persistent prayer. I happen to be on the Concerts of Prayer Greater New York board. I was a founding member. I think, was Lloyd a founding member? I don't think so. I think he got in a, a few years later. But uh, his dad, Lloyd, has a, been a friend of mine for almost 40 years. We're, we're good friends. And that's how I met, uh, well, I, I knew of Aaron, but uh, th this is uh, an opportunity I had to meet him and his wife. I just met the little girl, but the little guy should be as cute, I'm sure. Verse 9, Luke 18, 9, and he also told this parable, our Lord told this parable, to certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. God forbid that we view other people with contempt, not like those people. I'm not like the people in uh, Harlem. I'm not like the people in the Heights. I'm not like the people in Rikers Island. Oh, yeah, he, she, she's, a, she's a hooker. Man, get her away from my family. That guy's a pimp. Get those people away from me. How about the ones that work down in Wall Street? Get those people away from me. Different kinds of sins, but sin nevertheless. And Jesus Christ is 
pinpointing what the problem with people are. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector, tax gatherer. The Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself. To himself he's praying. God, I thank thee that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like the tax gatherers. And by the way, he probably was telling the truth because these were the things that he didn't do. I fast twice a week. I pay my tithes. I go to Grace Church. Oh, he didn't say that. Wait a minute. Uh, I, I pay tithes of all that I get, but the tax gatherer, but the tax gatherer, but the tax gatherer, the Lord is putting his finger on what he's interested in. He's, he said he was standing some distance away. He felt condemnation. He felt condemned. Didn't he even want to get near God, right? Was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven. He was under conviction, right? And uh, was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. He was repenting. The sinner, he was confessing his sin. He said, and, the, and our Lord said this. He said, uh, tell, he says, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified. Dikeos. Right before God. It's not a matter of what you do. It's the break in your heart. It's the confession. It's the repentance. It's the change of attitude that God is looking for. It's that I come to God and just fall down and say, I'm broken, I, I can't fix myself. You have to come to that place, people. And then God is interested in you. Say, I, can't, I can't be right. How could that be right? Okay, don't take my word. This is our Lord's word, but I'm going to give you two other verses of Scripture in the Old Testament if we could move on, in, in Isaiah 66, verse 2, to this one I'm going to look, God says. This is the one I'm looking for. He who is humble in his heart, who is contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word. That's who I'm looking to. You can try to do everything else in your life, but I'm, I'm not looking there. If you've got everything else, by the way, you should have everything else. Don't, don't get me wrong. You should tithe. You should do th things that are nice and right to do. You ought to come to church at Grace Church. You ought to support and go out and serve New Jersey. But if you do all that and you don't do this, it means nothing. Literally means nothing. Now, don't take my word for it. Go to Isaiah 57. Verse 15, go ahead, turn to it, go ahead, I'm, I'm going to wait. Turn to it. Isaiah 57 and verse 15. This is where it talks about the high and lofty one. For thus says the high and exalted one, who lives forever, whose name is holy, I dwell on a high and holy hill. God is telling us where he lives. So when I move into an area, I don't want to live in the valley. I want to go up to the hill. The closer we can get up there, right? No, that's not what it's talking about. Okay. It's a metaphor. But I also dwell with the one who is broken and contrite in his heart. I dwell in the highest of heaven, but... I'm right down there when the people are on their face before me, on, their, on the steps of the altar. This is a symbolic altar. But when they're broken before God and they're contrite of heart, maybe you have an altar in your home. Maybe there's a place you go to, a bedroom, some place where you're crying to God. He says, I'm right there. I'm right there. I dwell right there. You know what's wrong with the church in America? We're not broken. We want to be slick. We want to be sharp. We want to have the stuff. We want to play the game. Give me the toys. When have you broken because of the drug epidemic or, or something, your, your neighbor next door, something that's going on in somebody's life, like maybe your relative. Two weeks ago, we buried my 
nephew. He went up to TLC. About, well, how long ago was it, Vicky? Long time ago. I mean, his story was so, I, I, I won't go into it. But it, I break. I've come to a point where a worship service could just make me cry. I've come to a point, the more you get to know God, the closer you get to God through reading the Bible, the closer you get to God through praying, the closer you get to God through being in a worship service, the closer you get to God through sharing the gospel with people. I, I could cry at a drop of, just like that now, because it, it just so breaks my heart what's going on all around us. Because I know where I'm going. I'm safe. I know my wife and I, we, we, we would... We were 16 years old. In fact, let's start the story right now. Vicky, come on up here. Come on up here, baby. Come on. She wasn't expecting this. But she's got no choice. She should have known. So Vicky took Greek in Bible school. Uh, that's another story. Four years. And uh, I told her, uh, you're going to. Ah, there, there. I love that. This is the city of Thessaloniki where I was born. And. Uh, uh, there's an, the old wall. You'll see the old wall there, and the gate is there too. No, nobody goes to visit that gate where the Apostle Paul went through to preach the gospel to Thessalonians. That's my favorite spot. I go up there. I go, this is where Paul walked through this gate from the Ignatian Way. Jason's house is not too far away from there where they, he got chased out three weeks later. Get on up, baby doll. No, that's all right. Okay, that, that was me when I was uh, like seven, leading uh, the uh, whatever exercises at the end of the year there, and uh, that was me, the little guy, with my brother Jimmy, and my mom and dad, Alex and Stella, and, uh, and uh, on the boat, I came over on a, sh on a ship two weeks, it took us two weeks to come from Thessaloniki, 1957, to New York City, right, my brother Jimmy. They make you go through drills so you know how to die in a nicer way. <laughs> to New York City. <laughs> you know, like, come on, really? What are you going to do out there in the Atlantic? Shark bait, that's all you're going to be. And, and, there, and there you got, you have New York City, and I started playing the guitar. I was mesmerized by rock and roll. Remember that stuff? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. We used to talk about rock and roll. 1957, I heard this stuff called doo-wop. I fell in love with it. Anybody relate to me? Anybody in here? Come on, confess your sins. Put your hands up. <laughs> what a bunch of hypocrites in this church. You know what you like to listen to. And then, and then I started, you know, I, I loved it. Dion and the Belmonts. Anybody ever remember that guy? Come on, put your hands up this time. Run Around Sue, The Wanderer, all of those songs. I fell in love with it. And uh, I started playing the guitar. I played for the, my prom in junior high school, 52. I played for the prom at George Washington High School. Had another group called the MGs. And uh, there I am with the guitar, Eugene. I met Vicky. She hasn't changed a lot. I've lost my hair. Come on, give me a break. She just, I was smitten first time I saw her. At the Central Park Zoo outside the orangutan cage. True story. My, my little sister said, what did she say, Vicky? What's that? What's that? And, and then I said, there's a duel. They can't see you up there, honey. You got you to gotta stand up. Sorry, I forgot you guys up there. I, I hear somebody behind me, sister. Uh, that's the orange tang. I couldn't pronounce it. I didn't know what it was. It was an orange monster. So I had to correct them. And Orange Utang. <laughs> and so we, we started hanging out together. This was our, uh, this was our band, a guy named Bobby Torres. I'm in the, with the glasses in the middle there. Uh, Bobby played for Joe Cocker's band later on, did, did the Kunga drums, Vicky and I. We, we went deep into marijuana, opium, hash, coke, LSD, heroin. LSD destroyed my life. It just started taking my mind away. They had to tie me and put me in a mental institution, Lenox Hill Hospital, and give me shock treatments for two weeks. And Vicky came, and uh, you know, I told her to get Jimmy, my brother, to get me out of there. I got out of there, 
and thank God. And uh, that, that, those are pictures of us. We were leading the demonstrations in Central Park. Uh, I played when Martin Luther King was uh, killed. And God kept me alive. I should have been dead. I should have been dead. But God, even though I was uh, really confused on LSD, and uh, I started reading in, in, in Lenox Hill Hospital, I started reading The Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, it wasn't a Bible. I mean, it, it presents Jesus like, you know, he's getting high, he's getting drunk, he's, uh, you know, running around. He's basically me. I thought I was a reincarnation of Jesus. You see, what a humble view I had of myself. And, and uh, I, the demons come to you through drugs. The demons come to you, that's why it's called spirits. The drinks are called spirits, you see. Alcohol, drugs. Whether it was yellow jackets I was on, or two and alls, or whatever it was I was taking, always marijuana, every day for three years high. Every day. You know, and, and uh, cocaine almost killed me. Amphetamines almost killed me. I mean, I don't know how I'm alive, but God had a plan. And he wanted to save me. And so I'm walking around with a cross in 1968. After the, after the mental institution, I'm walking around thinking I'm, I'm going to save the world. I have no idea who I am. Where did I come from? What am I doing here? Where am I going? Those are questions going on in my head. Somebody comes up and witnesses to me and tells me, uh, he says, can I talk to you about spiritual things? And I look at him and I go, uh, are you the devil? Because I'm Jesus, remember? And, and are you the devil? And he said, no, my name is Bruce. And he sits down <laughs> and, and starts telling me God loves me, Jesus Christ died for me, John 3, 16 and 17. First time I ever heard it. First time, 1968. Uh, he, I go up to a place called Word of Life Island. I'm thinking it's paradise. I'm still hallucinating. I, I'm, I, I, oh, Jesus Christ. I thought he was Jesus Christ. He's taking me to paradise. I'm a, and I met the apostles there, Peter, John. They were all there in the cabin. There were 12 guys. I thought it was the apostles. <laughs> and, you know, God allowed me to go through that experience. The next day, I, I go down. I meet a guy. I said, I, where's Jesus, the guy that took me there? I thought he might be a Jesus, you know? You start looking at people, and you think, wow, that... You start seeing love and joy and peace. And so the light comes out of you. And I asked him, where is Jesus? He said, well, I was talking to him down by the lake. You want to go down there? So we sit at the lake by a rock, and he led me to Christ. John 3, 16 again. And the shackles fell off. The demons were gone. And I called her up. She, 250 miles away, went to Jones Beach, and someone what? Gave you a gospel at John at Jones Beach. As I was getting on the bus that day. Yeah. So when I called her and I said to her, "Hey, uh, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shouldn't perish but have eternal life," she said to me, "I was just reading that." I said, "What? You were just what? Now, what's the probability of that, folks?" And God, God was talking to her. Talk, save me. I got her up. I took her to the same rock. I thought it was a magic rock. I said, sit down over here. I'm not going to change it in any which way. And I led her to Christ. I didn't know what I was doing. It was, I just came to Christ. I just had my eyes open. You know, and the Bible says that, doesn't it, in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, that, that he, we are a chosen generation. This is what he calls us now. Forget about what you were before. Murderer, I was just talking two weeks ago to David Berkowitz in prison, fellowshipping with this guy that killed seven girls back in 77, 1977. And he's praising the Lord, and we're reading the Bible together. It doesn't matter what your past is like. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've come from or what you think. God says you're a chosen generation. You're in his family now. Huh? Hallelujah. A royal family, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Peripisi. He made with his own hands. Same word as found in Acts 20, verse 28, where it says, we are the church of God that he redeemed with his own blood. That's the same word, peripisi. 
that he made us and brought us into that family through the blood that he shed on that cross. It's incredible. And now we are a people for his own possession. Why? That we may proclaim his excellency. He is incredible. Of how he brought us out of darkness. Honey, you can sit down. Into his marvelous light. And uh, God, God started changing my life. At Word of Life, I heard, this is the guy that witnessed to me, Bruce, and that was the day I heard the gospel for the first time, been playing rock and roll, recording, thinking I'm going to go a different way. God stopped me and put me on the right way so that I could uh, get into the Word of God. That's what I've been doing for these last almost 50 years this summer, okay? We're gonna be, I'm going to be 69 in September. I'm not a child anymore. You see, my hair is not there. But I feel like a child. I got energy. I'm going to keep going. I haven't run out of energy for Jesus Christ and love for Jesus Christ. And so Jack Wurtson discipled us. We began, we have five children, four daughters and a son. We have 10 grandchildren. I don't think we have a picture of our grandchildren here. They're a little bit nutso. So, you know, <laughs> they, they, we love them though. And, uh, and then we started ministries, the Manhattan Bible Church, the Manhattan Christian Academy, the homeless programs, the, the camps for inner city kids, city vision camps up there, and then, of course, Transformation Life Center. And uh, so we began these ministries for his kingdom and to reach people. We used to take them, Aaron, to our house, bring them to our house, but we got robbed seven times, so we're like, this ain't working. <laughs> you know, and, and I prayed, I said, Lord, give us a place a, a, into the forest somewhere, you know, so they don't get, they can't run away that quick. And uh, it's been, we've helped about 2,500 guys. We now are building, uh, we finished building a women's residence. We have about a 22-bed facility for women and a 35-bed and a facility for men. And we're now getting a whole new group of helpers, donors. I, I'm not going into all the details, but that's why we're really, I'm, look, I'm preaching all over the world. God has called me. To go to, I just came back from Burma a month ago, Myanmar. I was doing the Baptist conference there for the Evangelical Baptist of Myanmar. You know, I'm, God has given us an opportunity because of our story, because of what we've done with our lives. He's opening doors. I'm Monday, we'll go, tomorrow, we're going to the Greek, to the United Nations. We're, gonna, we're being invited to go and meet with the Greek ambassadors. God has allowed me to go back to Thessaloniki and rent the stadium there and to Athens and rent the bicycle, the Olympic bicycle stadium, fill it up, and hundreds of people are coming to Christ. So I have that kind of a ministry, but I can't forget about my children. Things that we started 38 years ago that, that are, I'm still there. That's the lab. That's where we keep connected to life. You can't just be up on a pulpit. You still got to be with the people. Amen. We, we can't forget about the, the family that just lost somebody and go there and talk to them. And, and so that's why I'm appealing to you to get involved in Transformation Life Center. We need your help to go there. If you want to teach a Bible study, if you want to do counseling, if you want to just drive, because we need all kinds of people to help us with the families that are sending the, the young men and women up there. We need all kinds of helpers. Okay? So... Um, these are the guys. That I, I take them out. I have some a uh, little boat. We go out on the Hudson. They love to just get out and play in the summertime especially. This one kid, you see that kid in the orange shirt? Uh, his name is Cody. He came in. He was ready to die. Living with a, uh, a young woman, had two kids, and uh, he was, I mean, literally ready to die. And uh, he was able to get saved, get married there and uh, move on and, and do some things with his life right now. What a wonderful story of this guy. These guys went down to help the hurricane victims in the Keys. We drove a, a, a truck from here with a big trailer full of power tools and generators, and I said, who, you know, who wants to go? Boom, some of our staff and guys wanted to go. The one kid, this crazy tall kid on the left, has been getting drunk, uh, he's been getting drunk since he was 14. His name is Evan. I, I fell in love with this guy. Just spending time with people. That's how you disciple them. It's not what you teach them. It's what they see in you. Just hanging out with them. 
And, and, and he came back, and after that trip, he said to me, you know, Pastor, I want to be an evangelist just like you. I'm like, because we went to a church, we preached in some churches down there, we helped some people, we cleaned things up, we, uh, we, I mean, it was awesome, it was awesome, we bought, and we had so much stuff, they gave us more stuff from there that they didn't need, down in the Keys, in uh, Key Largo, and we found out Puerto Rico needed stuff, so I have, I led a guy to Christ who has a church in Miami, the, the, uh, the uh, Templo, uh, what, what is the name of it now, High, where, it's a Baptist church, they merged, Gladeview Baptist Church. It was Temple Biblical de Miami. But this guy was a cocaine dealer. Now he's a gospel dealer. <laughs> you know what I mean? His name is Michael Rodriguez. So I call Michael. He says, Pastor Tom, uh, I said, I got a truckload of stuff. He says, well, well how am I going to get it to Puerto Rico? I said, I, that's your problem. I'm bringing it to you. <laughs> so he, in a half hour, he calls me back. He said, okay, okay, I got, I got another church. We're going to pack it up. We're going to send it. So we drove it with our guys. We're emptying it out here. And this is what happens when drug addicts, they, they get saved, they get changed. They have already abandoned everything for drugs. Now they've abandoned everything for Christ. You don't need to teach them consecration. They've already been consecrated following the high. They understand giving up everything. Oh, they're great guys. They really are. And uh, here's a graduation with Evan. He's, gonna, he's right now studying college on, on the Internet with Liberty University, he, and he's do, doing pre-law. This guy is incredible. I got another guy that now is, uh, oh, this guy got saved about 25 years ago. He's one of our board members now. He was a homeless guy in the Bronx. His name is Gucci. He, he, he has his uh, deal, it's called Gucci the Barber. He also owns a barbershop up there. <laughs> That's his wife, Serena. And uh, this is my friend who just passed away. When we took this picture, he was alive two weeks ago in the hospital in, uh, in New York. The other guy has been dying for 33 years. He won't die. I can't, Billy, he looked like he was gonna, I was going to bury him one time. He came back. He's had cancer. He's had all kinds of stuff. He's full-blown AIDS for over 32 years. Spent 19 years shooting heroin, 10 years in prison. We were nine years old when we started running the streets together in New York. God uh, saved him. I led him to Christ. That's Marissa. Please pray for her. Over the next couple of days, it's going to be hard for Marissa and her family. Uh, these are, this guy in the middle. Why do I love going to TLC every week when I'm around? I preach, and every time somebody gets saved, and I lead them to Christ, and I disciple them for the next six months or a year. What an incredible discipleship program. Because they're not going anywhere. They're there. You see, if you, if you could have these people, Aaron, for all day long and tomorrow and the next day, you know what I mean? It would be awesome. And uh, we just led Thomas to Christ. I always like to bring somebody with me if I'm going to lead someone to Christ. I was teaching Evan how to lead him to Christ. So he could learn what that means. What do you share? How do you pray? People just don't even know how to pray. They say, well, you're just repeating words. How many of you are married here? Let me see your hands. You're married. Did you repeat some words when you got married? Are you, did you get married? See how easy that is? Do you take this woman to be your lawfully whatever? I do. And that's it. And then you walk out married. You're like, did I just get married? See, it's not that hard to lead people to Christ. Don't make it hard to get people to be, who are already broken to come and say to God, God, I need you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you for shedding your blood to make me free. Come into my heart and save me. Just real simple stuff like that. And teach me the Bible. Help me to love people. Just simple stuff like that, you know? These girls, when I told the one church I was preaching this in, by the way, they graduated from Manhattan Christian Academy. Both of these girls, our school. One of them is serving the Lord. The other one is dead on heroin. The one on the left is Elizabeth. She died. The mother just fell into my shoulder and weeping, saying, Pastor Tom, I wish you started this a year sooner. You see, what do you, how could you pay for something like that? You can't, 
What would you give to get your daughter back? What would you give to get your son back or your cousin or your brother? Or What would you give? I mean, we'd do anything. These are, and this is the women's home. It's beautiful. Beautiful, you know? We've got this beautiful home, but now we need to really get the staff. We need to get the funding for each person. We need, we're there to help. We're not, nobody's making, I've never gotten, my wife and I have never gotten one penny from anything we've done with the program of Transformation Life Center. We give, we don't take. That is the truth. And I do it because my heart is broken. I have these stories day in and day out. I get phone calls from mothers. I get phone calls from brothers. One time I got a phone call from my friend Ed Burnham who's buried over 57 of his friends down in Camden. And Ed Burnham, who was a heroin addict, he too was a heroin for 19 years. I don't know if it's a magic number, whatever that is. But he called me, he says, my brother's been missing for a year. I buried his other brother, Forrest, who committed suicide. And he says, would you meet me in Philadelphia? And he came and introduced me to a guy named Van Ellison, who runs a drug rehab in Naples, Florida, Matthew, St. Matthew's house, you can look it up in the internet, and Justin's place. They have over 350 people there. He came, I didn't even know who the guy was. I picked him up with my car, we went out to Camden, and we're going to look for his brother that he hadn't seen in a year. Can you imagine how crazy that is? Can you imagine driving through the streets of Camden looking for Artie to find this guy who's been on drugs for whatever, 30 years? Because my friend, broken, said to me, let's go find him. And, I, and Jesus went out, didn't he? Luke chapter 15 talks about that. He says that leave the 99 and go after that one. And I, he says, look, he just got an inheritance. He's got a white truck. And maybe we'll see the truck, the white pickup truck. And I'm driving. Three hours later, almost four hours, I'm thinking, this is the craziest thing I've ever done. Sure enough, my eye catches the white, a, tr a white truck. We go over there, and my prayer was, God, just give us a a little crack in the window to find him. Do you know God answered my prayer so specifically that the guy cracked the window, he was in the truck, he had garbage in the truck, and he wouldn't open up the window to his own brother, and we're crying outside the truck, and we just had that little crack in the window to talk to him, and, I, and Ed reminded me, you prayed for a crack in the window. I couldn't believe it. God's listening to your prayers. Yes, he is. And today he's in a program down in Naples. He's down there. We sent him down there at Justin's place. This is Ed on the left. That's Van in the, with the white hair there. My wife in the back. I got the hat. That's Transformation Life Center. This is the last story I want to leave you with. Look, I probably have uh, spoken too long. It's 1113. Um, this guy right here is, is uh, uh, Jonathan. John, we call him Jonathan. That's his name. Got two kids, twins, been on opiates for 10 years. Comes up to me after a, a month and a half and says, Pastor, I want to go to seminary and be a pastor. Now he, I think he was a biochemist now is what I think he was doing before this. I just want you to hear this beautiful voice of this kid. Can you put it up a little bit, please? Thank you. Irish? Uh, so you're married, and uh, you told me something exciting today that God has called you. And uh, after you graduate TLC, tell me a little bit about what brought you here. Jonathan. Um, I've had um, an addiction issue with opiates. Uh, multiple surgeries led me to a 12-year addiction. Um, but wow. I believe God has called me here, and it's finally over. Looking forward for the first time, I believe that God is putting it in my heart to being called to the pastorship. Okay, so you want to go to school after this, and that's what you want to talk to me about. That's pretty cool. Uh, I'd love for you to tell me a little bit. How about do I stop this? And your is AJ here? Where's children? AJ? Okay, see, no, it's AJ accident. There's just just one of. Them. He's gonna sing a song. He's got a beautiful Irish tenor voice. Look. This wasn't your typical sermon. I had planned something else. I was going to teach you the most important word, loizome, which is found in Genesis 3, 
15, rather, verse 6, Abraham believed God. It was credited to him. Loizome is the word. Reckon, account. You find that word in Romans 4 ten times. You find that very same word in battling drugs and pulling down the stronghold. You find that same word in Philippians 4. Whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and good report, if there's any virtue and praise, think. That's the word dwell. That's the word loizome. That means you credit into your account God's power, God's righteousness, God's holiness, and he takes out of your account. That's what this word means. It's really an accounting term. To take out of your account something or to put into your account something. So in, in, in Romans chapter 4, he puts righteousness in Abraham's account before circumcision, before the law. And he uses David as the negative side of it. He quotes Psalm 32. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not credit or impute in his account. Do you understand that? That same salvation thought, now take it over to your walking with Christ and your sanctification and the power in your life because he says you can tear down these addictions, these strongholds that are in your life because you've credited pornography in your life. You can't stop it. You guys can't stop it because you think that that right there is the fortress that you can retreat to to be the guy. God says, no, tear it down and bring every thought. The word is ipo akuo. Ipo is under, akuo is to hear. So when Jesus speaks the word, you're a fool if you don't obey it. That's what he said in Matthew 7. You say, well, Tom, you speak like that? No, Jesus said the fool hears my words and doesn't act upon them. He builds his house on the sand. When the rain comes, when the winds blow, when the, the floods come, the structure falls down because it doesn't have a solid foundation. But the wise man, he builds his house on the solid rock. He hears my words and he acts upon them. Ipakuo. Ipo under and akuo to hear. So you put yourself under the word of God. Will you do that? This is the way you can be broken today. You can look at your life and see where you have gone astray. And as this guy sings the song, listen, let's have some revival here in church. Let's not do church like, do church. I'm an evangelist. I'm not a teacher, pastor like this guy. This guy's a wonderful pastor. I'm an evangelist. God sends me in to stir things up. I hope you're stirred up a little. But I hope you get revived. By the way, he uses the word revival in Isaiah 57 and verse 15. He says, I'm going to, twice he uses the word revival in that verse. I'm lofty, I'm high, I'm lifted up. In fact, Aaron, would you uh, go to the pulpit and just read that, the, those verses, those two verses, and then I'm going to let this guy play the song. Jonathan, and then I'm going to invite you to come forward as a believer and let God clean you out. I need to do that on a daily basis so I could be right with God. Listen to this, the word of the Lord, Isaiah 57 and verse 15 and 16. I think it's just 15, actually. Yeah, I think it's just, it's a long verse. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. Twice. To revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. Do you need some revival today? When you hear that song... Come on down and let's pray together. If there are things in your life, if there are fortresses, men and women. My wife told me yesterday that a lot of the women, they watch this stuff, uh, Gray, what is it, Gray? I don't even know what it is. But there's, there are programs that are geared and designed on TV and in the movies to make you, you know, to arouse you into areas you shouldn't delve into as a believer. And you're flirting with sin. You need revival. You say, well, I don't want anybody to know. Really? Come on. 
What does God have to do to get us revived as parents so that we can bring that on to our kids and our grandkids? Because what we allow in moderation, they're going to do in excess. So I'm going to invite you to come and let's pray together. If you're here without Christ today, here's how simple it is. Father God, thank you for loving me. If I can say it, you can say it. If Berkowitz could say it, you could say it. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please come into my heart. Forgive me. Cleanse me. And save me from all my sins. Yes. Yeah. I think you just, like, in a local church, sometimes there's not many excuses. But so many times there's, like, we stop reading the Bible like we used to. We stop praying daily. We, we lose faith in God. And, you know, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We won't see answers to our prayers. Many times, my husband and I, we read the Bible together. We pray together. And we made that commitment. And many times, families don't do that. They don't have an altar in their house where they surround their family and, and their home. So I just want to say that we still do that together. We still, if we drift apart, we come back. We get on our knees together and we pray together. And we say, God, help us. Help us. Use the gift that you put in us so that we can walk in the track that you have ordained for us and help people. I just felt that I should Thank say you. that. Thank you, honey. That's why I love her and married her. <laughs> she keeps me right, Aaron. She keeps, just like your wife, I'm sure. But you know what? We're, we're, we're trying to do impossible things. Listen, God's provided millions of dollars for Vicki and I through our ministries. Now we're challenged with getting more people into our drug rehab. So if you guys could participate in any way, the, the address is Transformation Life Center, uh, tlcny.org. I do have some cards up here. They got the wrong website. Somebody stole our website. But anyway, uh, they got the wrong website. It's tlc. It was 911.org. But this one is tlcnynewyork.org. It's up there. You can hardly see it. It's in the blue, I think. Yeah, tlcny.org. And you guys could help one life. Take one life. You know, or you can go up there and visit. Or you can counsel if you know the scriptures. Or you can go and share your faith with somebody. Amen? It'd be awesome to have this church participate. And uh, hopefully, Aaron, you'll come up there and preach as well. Uh, but you could do it through the line as well. You could follow me on Facebook. But I'm, I'm going to let this guy sing right now. Do we have to go back to get that to sing? I, I am sorry about that, buddy. There we go. Can you play that? Okay. So if you need to come and pray with me and Vicky, come on. Don't wait for him to sing. Just come. You're Irish? It's, it's open house, right? We're family. So you're married. God has spoken to you today. This is the time to come. Come on. Vicky, come on up here and pray with this sister right here. Kneel down with her, baby. You graduate TLC. Come on, God Tell is speaking to you. What you here. God has spoken um, to you. Um, Come. Had, um, Come and let God revive your heart. Let God use you right there where you live. God bless you, my brother. Well, I believe God has spoken here and it's finally over. And uh, looking forward for the first time, I believe that God is putting in my heart to being called to the pastorship. God would make us to be the people of God that He wants. Uh, I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about your wife and your family. Every one of these guys have a whole, hundreds of family members. The pain's still there when someone dies. It doesn't ever go away. I have one son and four daughters. If one of them died, I, I just, I'd just be crying. Every day I'd be crying. Okay. And your wife has stuck with you all this time. But to save one life, wow. Wow. Get involved in so someone's life, folks. Sing a song You're the answer. We're going to do this tomorrow night together. We'll go ahead and do that song on that. Bless you.
Let's all stand together, please. Let's all stand upstairs and downstairs. Sing it with me. God has spoken to you. This is the time for you to say, Lord, all that I am, all that I ever hoped to be, all that I have is yours. One more time, I surrender. God, thank you for these, my sisters, my brother. Each one of these that have come has a special need. You know them by name. As each one of us have received a special gift, let us employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Let us do it, Lord, with all of our hearts. These are your people. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. The people in the pews and upstairs, Lord, your great people of God for this area, lighthouses. Father God, thank you for giving us this opportunity. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, Tom, I, I, I really need Christ to be my Savior. Would you just pray for me? Just quietly put your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'll stick around, though, afterwards and talk with you if you want me to. Just quietly put your hand up. Say, pray for me. I think today is my day. I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? I think today is the day. I'm going to cross the line. I see your hand. Anyone else? Today, yes, I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. Two girls and two guys. Anyone else? Today I want to make sure that I know, that I know, that I know Jesus Christ personally. I, I want to know him, who he is. I want him to be my savior, and I want to know when I pass out of this life, I'm going to be with him forever. Anyone else along with these two men and two ladies, just quietly put your hand up. And put it down. I'll pray for you, and then I'll meet with you afterwards if you want me to. Just quietly put your hand up. Go ahead. Go ahead. Be courageous. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you. Father, you saw these that raised their hand. Thank you for loving them so much. They've been coming, or maybe it's their first time, but today they heard that you love them. That you died on the cross for them rose again from the dead. Nothing is going to separate them from your love. Oh God, I pray for them today. Give them the faith today to believe that they are yours. And I pray that you'll bless this church in an incredible way as they go out and share the gospel with everyone. In Jesus' name. Amen. Those four people, you know, when everybody else goes, I'm going to slip out into this door. I'll meet you there. Thank you, Tom and Vicki, for coming this morning. Let's show them our appreciation. That was powerful, and thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Again, Mega Sports at the back for sign up. Otherwise, have a great week.